Good morning, everybody. Uh, two more names to remember in your prayers. Uh, Linda Lamb is sick at home, and Butch McKelvey is doing better from surgery, but he's still pretty sore. So just remember him and also Bill, too, Bill Lamb, who is going through uh, chemo right now. And they said that it's actually, it may not be chemo. It's, it's some type of cancer treatment, but they say it's going really well. So the tumors are, are shrinking. So keep praying for them and all the others that were named. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be back up here. I got 50 minutes. So yeah, we're good to go. Um, no, I'm glad to be back. I, I appreciate a little bit of a break. You know, it's always good to be able to sit and actually listen to somebody else speak. And uh, what a great week it was. And Eric's right. The singing was phenomenal. The singing was great today. I mean, it is well is just like, wow, you know, what a great song. But I want to continue this series in first John and we'll be in first John chapter two, verses 1 and 6, and I want to go ahead and just dive into this lesson. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I know I say that every time, but man, what a blessing this has been to me just studying it last night. I mean, I preached to myself like three or four times, and I was just uh, really excited about it. But as we continue this, and, and you'll see it come up more and more, there's three uh, themes that come to the forefront in this study in First John. Three words, fellowship, truth, and love. And we studied the last time in, in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 6, talking about if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then we talked about in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we learn that, you know, if you say that you walk in the light, then walk in the light. Don't say that you do and then uh, don't because, you know, we may not be able to see what you're doing, but we know that the Lord does. The Lord knows exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it and our attitudes towards doing those things. But this lesson this morning is going to take us a little bit deeper into the understanding of walking in the light. John is about to show us the profile of a real disciple, the way that disciple should think and the way that that uh, disciple should look. You know, the word profile, and probably when you think of profile, you may think of somebody giving a profile of a criminal or, uh, you know, a shadow of somebody uh, from the side. But the, the profile I want to talk about is the one that says a set of characteristics or qualities that identify a type of category or person or thing. So let's think about that, and I want to start in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the whole world. So the profile of a disciple, somebody who's obeyed the gospel, somebody who is a child of God, starts by knowing some stuff. I write these things, and I want to make sure that we hear this one, because, boy, it starts out with a bang. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how should we be striving to live? Think about this statement. We are as spiritual as we want to be. Would you say that's a true statement? I say that's a very powerful statement. We are as spiritual as we want to be. Well, if you think about this concept, what did Jesus say uh, when it comes to not sinning? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, here's what Jesus said. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Are we perfect? Are we striving to be perfect? What about this one? 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. When you think of the concept of God being holy, is there any imperfection in that? When you think of being like the Father in heaven, do you think that there's one time that God was imperfect? Absolutely not. So what are you saying, Matt? Have we gotten to the point today in our lives as Christians that we have forgotten what John is really saying? I write these things to you that you may not sin. Matt, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. So because of that, do, is our aim and our standard of living lowered? What does, what does John want us to do? What does Jesus want us to do? And we're going to just continue this through because the second part of this verse will not mean as much if the first part doesn't become top priority. Do I wake up in the morning and do I say, with everything that I got, oh, Lord, help me through this day, or do I say, Lord, today is the day that I will not sin. Today is the day. That I'm going to be perfect. Do we do that? Do we think about living a life that is absolutely perfect? I know we can't do that. But is it the excuse that we run with to water down our lives? Is it the excuse that we run with so we can sin? So we can dabble in those things that are contrary to God's word? Or do we make it our aim? Do we make it a priority to be just like Jesus and be perfect in every way? What doors open up when this becomes reality in your life? Wouldn't you say? 
If you tried to live perfect, if you tried to make sure that you never sinned, you would always be on the watch, wouldn't you? You would always be thinking about the things that are happening. You would always be thinking about the situations that are put in front of you, the way that you talk to your wife, the way that you talk to your kids, the way that you talk to your coworker. It becomes very important to make sure that everything that I say, everything that I handle, and how I do it is according to God's will because, Lord, I do not want to sin today. Satan, you ain't getting me. Is that something that motivates us? Is that something that moves us? Or is that something that's just not a big deal anymore? You know, the problem that we have is because of the second part of this verse. The problem that we have as Christians is we run to this one, and it's absolutely an awesome point. It absolutely is something that is so incredible we really have no understanding of. But do we strive to show the Lord how proud we are to be his child? Do we show it in our actions? Do we show it in the way we speak to others? Do we show it in the way that we uh, do our daily, daily things? How much do we pray, brethren? How much do we pray that we would be the example and not just pray for all of those things that we need God to fix? But look at the second part of this verse. It says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. God gives us the out, doesn't he? (laughs) And I thank the Lord for that. Because we do mess up. And I don't want to water down this thought. But if I live my life... Trying to be perfect, what happens? When I sin, those sins are unintentional, aren't they? Those sins become more and more unintentional and less and less intentional. In the old law, that was a big deal. Unintentional sins were allowed to have this sacrifice presented to be forgiven. An intentional sin, very dangerous place to be. Because it was probably... The the result of your situation and the, the result of your intentional sin was probably by stoning. If I'm living my life to be perfect, if I'm living my life to uh, be the best and most mature and the most uh, uh, studied and learned Christian that I can be, then it changes the way that I live my life. So when I do sin, what do I do? I appreciate Jesus that much more. Oh, and I want to talk about Jesus. I love what he says. He says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the perfect man. You think it was easy for him to live that life? How disrespectful is it for us to just nonchalantly live our lives and do things just eh, like we want? And Jesus is at a point of wanting to say, Lord, if this cup can pass for me, let it pass, but not my will, your will be done. Here is a man who is struggling in his mind to get the right thing done And here we are just, whatever. 
It is what it is. I mean, I ask for forgiveness. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate it. But we have an advocate. We have one who pleads another's cause. And I want to just, I want you to focus your mind in on this for just a minute. This thought of this advocate. He's one who pleads another's cause before a judge. This is the Greek definition. It's the counsel of defense. It's a legal assistant. It's one who is called to one's aid. In Romans 8.34, it kind of adds on to this. It says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right, watch this. He is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. He didn't do it to get to shine. He did it so he could make intercession for us. How disrespectful is it for us to live our lives and not try to be perfect like him? Yes, it's a challenge. Yes, this is a high standard to live by. But if you want to shoot for the stars, doesn't it make you better? You know, when you make your goals. I, th I thought about the Bible Bowl down there. They had the list in the, the class of what they wanted to score. How do you want to shoot your goals? Well, if you're like me in high school, I'm just 60, 70, right? I mean, 70 out of 100 is cool with me. But if I say, no, you know what? I'm going to get 100% right. I'm not going to miss one question. How am I going to take that in my mind? I'm going to study. I'm going to start getting prepared because I'm excited to make this 100. Will I make it? I don't know, but that doesn't matter. In my mind, I'm ex not accepting anything but 100. That's where I'm going. And that's the way we have to do in our Christian walk. If I just settle for sinning and it's okay and I can ask for forgiveness, then what kind of Christian life am I walking? What kind of respect am I showing to a man who through every situation was tempted just like us but without sin? Because when we do mess up, Jesus says, I got you taken care of. Now what you going to do? See, we have this assistant we have this one who makes intercession for us. We have an advocate. And verse 2 gets even more, more deeper. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What in the world is propitiation? It's a satisfying sacrifice. Now watch what happens here. It is the means of appeasing. Now, here's the reality. That God's wrath is coming. God's wrath is coming on the sons of disobedience. You know, the ones who uh, have evil desires, the ones who uh, fornicate, those who have pas evil passions, uncleanliness, those who are covetousness. It talks about it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. But then he says this, because of these things, because of those evil things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Who satisfied 
God's wrath. He himself. Look at verse 2. It says, he himself, not him and the apostles, not him and some, a group of people, not him and, and whoever. No, he by himself was the one who did this. He is the one who did it for me and for you. Look at what this says. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. A couple things. Yesterday, you may have been doing some yard work. Yesterday, maybe you uh, have been outside uh, clipping some trees or uh, uh, working on some type of project or mulching or whatever, pulling weeds or whatever you were doing. What happened when you got done with that job? You took a shower and you went in there and sat down, didn't you? Boy, it felt good, didn't it? It felt good to sit down and relax. Now, I want you to think about this. Would any of you be able to sit down next to the hand, the right hand of the majesty on high? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, isn't it? You remember when Moses asked if he could See God, what did he say? You can't see my face, for no man shall see me and live. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't just ascend into heaven and just kneel down. No, he sit, went into heaven and he sat down right at the right hand of the majesty of God. <sighs> Gives me chill bumps. Almighty we're not talking about some fake idol that we look at. We're talking about the almighty God and Jesus was confident enough to sit down by him. And God almighty says, Lord, my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Does this motivate us in any way? Does this motivate us in any way to change the sins in our lives that we've justified in our mind to make right? The profile of a disciple continues this way. By one who keeps his word. Come on, Matt. You use that point probably every single week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably do. But watch this. Look at verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says that I know him, I don't know if that's what you're going to say. I have no idea where you're at in your walk. But if you say, Christian, that you know him, be prepared for what's about to come next. 
It says, if you know him and you don't keep his commandment, you are a liar. And the truth is not in you. This is deep stuff. This is challenging stuff. Why is he wanting to present it this way? Because he wants you to be blessed in your life. Because sin is terrible. Sin will destroy you. Sin will consume you. Sin will put you in a place where you don't need to be. If you say that you know him and you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar. And the truth ain't in you. Now, this word keep, this Greek word, it's incredible. Listen to what it means. It means to prevent from escaping. It means to keep your eyes upon. It means to guard from loss or to hold fast to. Now, what am I holding fast to? The commandments of the Lord. What he says to do, I do it. Love one another. I hold fast to that. I don't let that escape from me. I keep my eyes on it. That's how I'm successful. Love one another as I have loved you. And I do exactly what he says. I don't forget it. And when it comes time to apply it in my life, what do I do? I apply it. Because I'm thinking about it. Because it's consuming me. It's on my mind. I never let it escape. And we can go on and on about all the commandments. Hey, here's a challenge. Find out all the commandments that the Lord wants you to do. And then do them. That'll keep you busy for a while. When you engage in God's word and you see these things and you know what the apostles say about how we should speak to others, how we should handle tough situations, all of those things, when I don't let them escape from my life, when I don't let them escape from my mind, it changes who I am and I become less and less of an intentional sinner. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I made up with this, brethren. I can't get enough of this. I want to be perfect. Not so you can say, man, Matt is perfect. Because I want to be pleasing to the one who gave his life for me. So when I'm in awe, when, I'm, when I can't even talk, when I'm standing in front of the Lord because of those things that I've done, he's going to look at me and he's going to say, I know it's incredible. I know you can't believe what you see. But well done, my good and faithful servant. Come enjoy this. Well done. Well done. How can we keep ourselves from being liars? How can we keep ourselves to hold fast to the truth? We keep his word. He says, verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, watch what he says. He says, truly the love of God is perfected in him. How close are we to being like Jesus in every facet of our life? Every facet, how I treat my wife, how I treat my husband, how I treat my boss at work, how I treat my children, how I treat the next door neighbor, how I treat my enemy, Judas 
was about to betray his best friend. And Jesus washed his feet. Could you do that? I don't know if I could. I want to, though. Turn with me in your Bibles real quick to Ephesians chapter 4. I don't have time to read it all. And I use it a lot, but it is so uh, right on for this thought. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it talks about, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And watch what happens in verse 13. He says, Till we all, every single one of us, brethren, is included in this all. Come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Yes, the Greek says uh, to be mature right there, but I'm telling you right now, I am no longer going to say mature. I want to be a perfect man. Perfect. I'm not settling for anything less. How about you, brethren? I don't want to ever sin. I don't want to ever say something hateful to you. I don't ever want to ask for forgiveness. I want to always do it right. And when I do, it's going to bother me so much that it breaks my heart to sin. Be real. Be real about it right now. Are you ashamed when you sin? Does it bother you or not? That's where you know where you're at. That's where you know where your profile is when it fits into this category of Christianity. Does it bother you when you sin? When nobody's watching. When nobody's around. When it's just you and yourself. Hey, this is as real talk as you can get because I don't know what you're going through. But boy, I tell you what, if you allow perfection and trying to be like Jesus to really creep into your life, you better watch out because things are about to change. Your life is about to go in a direction that you have no idea because I'm looking for the blessings. And I'm putting a plug in tonight, and I'm really excited about tonight's lesson. Ruth chapter 2 is about to talk all about the blessings of God. The Lord is in the details of your life. But look what it says, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Why is that? Because when you look at verse 13 on the second part, it says that we are trying to measure ourselves up to the stature of Jesus Christ. I talk about this one all the time. It's such a challenge to me. When you look at your life, how do you measure up to Jesus? I'm not even close, Matt. Well, are you closer than you were yesterday? Are you closer than you were last week? How are you handling those enemies? 
How are you handling those gossip situations? How are you dealing with the problem with the brother? Are you going and telling everybody else? Or are you going right to that brother and nobody else even knows about it? Isn't that Christianity right there? Instead of picking teams, you just settle the deal and nobody even knows. Verse 16 tells us, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. We all have a part to play in this, brethren. Do not think for one second that you are not valuable in the kingdom of God, because what you do, what you present is so valuable. You being here is valuable. You caring about the Word of God is valuable. You caring about Jesus Christ is valuable. Hug somebody's neck today. Talk to somebody today. Figure out what you can help them with. Everybody is important in this family. Back to John. 1 John chapter, five, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 says, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are in him. By our thoughts, by our actions, by the things that we say, we know whose we are. Amen? I know exactly who you follow by the thing. Have you, has that ever happened to you? You've been out somewhere and, and you hear somebody talking and you're like... There's something about that person. Here you go, talking to him. Well, yeah, I go to such a congregation, and I knew it. I knew it, right? I knew that you were. By the things that you were saying, by the way you was talking, by the the way you was handling that situation, I immediately knew you was a Christian. (laughs) That's awesome. But I want you to think about this thought right here. But those who obey God's word... Truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Amen? Watch this one more time. I want you to catch this one. This is too, this is too good to miss, man. If you don't get anything else out of the lesson, if you've been asleep, wake up. Here it is. I know my voice is mesmerizing and it kind of lulls you to Don't go to sleep right now. Here it is. I love all y'all so much. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. You can show God how much you love him by doing the right thing when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. And this is how we know that we're living in him, when that's our mind frame. The last thing, and I'm just about done. The profile of a disciple is also one who walks like Jesus. Look at verse 6. Some incredible Greek words here that I want us to think about as we close and challenge you with. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk 
just as he walked. Now, I want you to think about the word abide. The word abide is to continue to be in the present. To continue to be all the time in the present. Well, what's the present as a Christian? As one who loves one another. As one who is willing to forgive somebody. As somebody who is willing to help somebody. Somebody who understands that when I mess up, I can ask for forgiveness. When we abide in the Lord, we become more and more like him. Watch this one. If you abide in me, right? Y'all know this one. And my words abide in you. If you continue to keep my words in the present, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Jesus said, if this cup can pass, let it pass. But I understand one thing. It's not my will. It's your will that will be done. Is that where we're at? Because look what happens when it does. By this, my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit. How much fruit has Jesus Christ bear <laughs> by the things that he's done? It's incredible, isn't it? Don't you want to be like that guy? The guy who bears fruit, the most fruit ever? I mean, we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. And he finishes it by saying, so you will be my disciples. The last thing to think about is the word ought. The word ought is a very, very important word to this verse. The word ought means to owe money or to be in debt to someone else or to be under obligation. Think about what that verse says. He who says he abides in him, he who says he's a Christian, has an obligation to walk just as he walked. Ain't no excuse, brethren. <laughs> you know, I tried to talk about it. Maybe there wasn't. Ex if you say you're a child of God, you have no excuse. You have an obligation. You remember the Bible saying something about you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify your God, uh, God in your body. I want you to think about this as we close. This comes from a commentary, Kaufman. It's a great thought. Claiming to be in Christ carries the obligation to exhibit the true likeness of Christ in our behavior. If you claim to be in Christ, brethren, I love you all so much. And I pray for you all so much. I think about all of the things that you got going on in your lives. I think about all the struggles that you have. But here's the reality. It's on you. If you claim to be in Christ, 
you have an ob- you don't have to do this. You remember in the first century why confession was so important? Because they wanted you to confess that Caesar was Lord. And when you did not confess Caesar as Lord, and you confessed Jesus as Lord, what did you face? Death. But a real Christian, somebody who really claimed to be in Christ, said, it don't matter, take me wherever you want to go. Lions, whatever. Sitting on a hot iron chair, whatever. Take him. This one's hard. My children. Go ahead. We have an obligation in this free world, in this blessed world. To exhibit the true likeness of Jesus Christ. Where am I weak? Where am I struggling? Is it real to me? Does it matter to me? Is it a big deal? Am I just ready for Matt to be done? What is it? If this isn't who you are and this isn't who you become more and more, you miss the point. Jesus Christ came to save you. And allow you to live with him forever and ever and ever. How much respect do we have for that? You can see it in your actions. Claiming to be in Christ carries the obligation to exhibit the true likeness of Christ in our behavior. The ball's in our court, brethren. Whether we care, whether we don't, whether it matters, whether it doesn't, whether we're fired up, whether we're not. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm fired up as I've ever been. Be fired up. Jesus is worth it. We can change this community. This place is struggling around us. This place, uh, this street, this area needs Jesus. Really bad. Really bad. Let's give it to them. Let's get in their lives. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you have just watered down your Christianity and it's not what it needs to be. You can ask for forgiveness. You can ask for prayers, whatever you need. Talk to the elders. Please make it a priority. But maybe you're here today and you're not a child. We just talked about it. Jesus is the advocate. He died for you He sat down next to the Lord and he's ready to make intercession for you when you do mess up, when you do do things that are contrary to his word. And he's ready to say, Lord, this is mine right here. That's mine. And he'll forgive you. You do it by believing who Jesus is. By repenting of your sins, turning from that old way of living and turn towards God, confessing his name in front of men saying, you know what, I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm a child of God. I'm not ashamed to say that I'm in Christ. I'm not ashamed to say that I believe that Jesus is the son of the almighty God and then being baptized in water for the remission of your sin, forgiveness, clean, come out of the water brand new. 
and you get to live that faithful life until he does say, boy, I can't wait for that day. How about you guys? Well done, good and faithful servant. Man, have you considered the brethren at Fountainhead? Is that what the Lord's saying right now? If you need to obey the gospel, if you need prayers, come right now. Together we stand and sing.